This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This show is brought to you in association with Labbrooks for all your betting needs. With a new site design and great prices, it's our preferred bookie. New members can get a free match bet up to £50 when you sign up and use the code LAD50. Check on site for details at labbrooks.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. Uh, as you know, during International Week, we usually um, take the time off and get accused of laziness. But uh, this time, to, to satisfy you lot, who do nothing but moan when we don't do something, we have decided to bring you a quarterly report uh, in the manner of, uh, I'm sure, any of you who work for international businesses will uh, have, have had this before you get taken in and asked, did you meet your quarterly goals? Well, did Rangers meet their quarterly goals? And uh, we'll find out the opinions of three of our regular podders, yes, Mark Dingwall, Cammy Bell and Fraser Martin have all joined us. I'll let you know what I think at the end and uh, we'd be interested to know what you think as well. So if you listen to how you can get in touch with us, uh, you'll hear at the end and let us know what your quarterly report on the deal's with. So that's enough from me. Let's get straight to the guys. Joining me now is uh, the suavest, sophisticated member of the pod. It's Mr. Mark Dingwall, the editor of FollowFollow.com. How are you doing, big man? Doing superb, David. Okay. Reading, I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> always, always. OK, let's get right to it then, Mark. Uh, how would you sum up the first quarter of the season? Uh, night and day from last year. I mean, obviously, we, we did go into the, the playoffs last year full of, full of a, a little bit of hope and a... Stuart McCall, only to have them dashed. Um, this year it's been, um, you know, I think uh, Warburton Weir approached it in a very uh, workmanlike, professional manner. New new guys in, even if some of those are signing, some of those are, are loans, and um, it's been it's been like a machine. You know, it's it's worked very well. I mean, we are in, in, a, in a tougher league than. Uh, you know, divisions two and three, where you know get teams that are full time, teams that have got half their squad full time, and uh, basically has been churning out the results. In, in terms of low point, obviously, I think the uh, the St Johnson game showed us how far we've got to go. But a complacency um, that that low point that we keep talking about. Um, oh, sorry, that that's a low point. But I think the the problems that we've seen have been there's a bit of a of a blind spot with regards to the to the to the defenders. Yeah. Um, I'm not a great fan of uh, the goalkeeper, but perhaps that's me been, been spoiled over the years. What was the key thing for you in making the changes, and that has allowed us to, you know, twelve wins out of thirteen matches or, or thirteen out of fourteen? Right? What has been the key thing for you that's changed from last year? 
I think it's a kind of relentless um, um, ethos that's been put into the players, which is, you know, press, press, press. I wouldn't even say attack, attack, attack. I think it's been, you know, pressure on the ball, you know, for 90 minutes, um, wears teams down, um, makes it easier for, for us to for us to exploit situations. And, you know, there's there's no sense of panic in the team, you know, if they, if they lose a goal or something doesn't work, they're right back into it. And it's it's very obviously it's different players you're doing it with compared yeah. with you know the original kind of pressing that you saw in Italy and you know the late late eighties early nineties with Milan and Sampdoria. But there's there's that kind of you know it's chase the ball you, you know not not mindlessly chasing the ball but immediately you know looking to attack looking to looking to press when you when you lose um, when you lose possession. I think that's a great point. It's we we've spoke about this before you and I on on the pod that. When you mention stuff like that, you mentioned that great Milan side and people are like, oh, we can't be as good as them. And you're like, well, yeah, we can't be as good as them, but can't we aspire to be as good as them? Can't we learn from from what they do? It's like when you watch Barcelona, you don't have Messi, Suarez and Neymar, but you can look at the way they train and play football, surely, and any club can extrapolate that, can they not? Yeah, you can, you can, you can always apply things. I mean, you have to be aware of your, you know the limitations of your team, but... If you're always on the back foot, then you know that that's going to show. Whereas if you've got confidence and you're you're playing to the best of your ability, um, sometimes I mean I think for instance if you look at um, some of the team selections have been a bit odd. Let's say against Tibbs, you're thinking he's playing people slightly out of, well well out of position here, switching them over for ten minutes and then switching them back. That there's kind of tactical things as well that you know you're um, that that we're doing that are kind of mixed and it up a bit rather than just battering on in the same old the same old fashion. No, I quite like that. I mean, okay, you've got a pattern to play to. But in say in the bigger games, um Warburton's shown a, a little bit of almost like fox like nous to, you know, the other team will be going, why are they setting up that way? You know, they've got the got the players they want, played slightly out of position or well out of position. And you know, there's a something a wee bit fox-like in it as well. You know, how would you rate the new signings? I think for for um, for what we've done, you've got to give them all more than pass marks. I mean, I think a few of them get gold stars in the jotters, um, and they're they're doing well. I mean, I, th- I think for some of these guys, although they have, you know, they've got ca- got careers before they came to to Ibrox, and some of them were with you know with bigger clubs. If you if you look, for instance, for for some of these guys to get. Into Ibrox, essentially fifty thousand every week. They've got a club that's using that little bit of magic that we've got. You know, in terms of if you, if you look, for instance, all the directors of the club are all Rangers fans. Mm-hmm. They've all been involved in this crusade, and you know there there is that kind of sense that you know these guys have joined something special and they know it. Yeah, it and does come across we've, like that. We've all been disappointed by, by 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 football players over the last few years. Some of the ones that. That left um, and some of the ones that actually stayed, but you know we're obviously just there and um, living high in the hog. So to actually have a happy, confident team um, that's playing well and scoring goals, there's not really a lot more you could be asking for. I mean, I think there are some people who are saying, well, in terms of the loan signings, can they be converted into full timers? What happens next year? Mm-hmm. My, my attitude would be. No, that's going to be a nice problem to have. Yeah, we absolutely have to get up this year, and you know, last year's told us, or shown us that you know, there's there's absolutely 
no room for complacency. Who you mentioned there a couple of players had had gold stars. Um, who's been your player of the the first quarter of the season? Um, isn't it? It's a it's a case that that goals that goals always win, don't they? You yeah. know, is that that's you, you focus on the people like Waghorn, like Tav, and you know you you do, you do tend to kind of miss out. You know, the defenders, and the midfielders, quite often. The more unsung uh, players, and I'm a bit like that myself. I I, I, I like Tavernier because they're just there's something relentless about the guy. Appears mm-hmm. um, you know properly athletic. You know, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. I think there is something about uh, Tavernier that he's, uh, you know, he's built like an athlete. He's constant. His movements excellent, and he does deliver at big moments. The Falkirk game and the Hibs match. He's been cases in point. We we haven't had someone who okay, it's a lower level, but a pressure game is still a pressure game, isn't it? And if someone can step up and say, right, I will take the responsibility here and then deliver. Uh, in key matches, that that's a huge quality to have, and I, I think he's shown that. Again, you've sort of touched on this in, in one of your earlier answers, and when you were on the pod a couple of weeks ago. But I'd still like to to just ask, what would you want to see improved going forward? I think I think the defence has got to be improved. It's just um, but when they've been put under proper pressure, then they haven't really coped with it fantastically well. Um, as I say, against against St Johnson. That shows you when you're up against um, higher quality players playing the right tactics. We've been found we weren't able to change it up. You know, we were we kept getting caught time and time again. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I, I find it difficult to think that you know that we're in war button don't see that. Um, maybe it's just a case in the league they are. They think well, we'll just go back up the pitch and score a few more goals, but. Um, it's it's not something that I'm really comfortable with. Now, before we go on to, to the final question, which is a specific Dingwall uh, question, it's not one I'm asking everyone. One I will ask everyone is this. Leave the path on this one, officer. No, uh, yes, it's not one of the ones you'll get It's not one of the ones where you'll need to move your answer from Glasgow to Edinburgh, uh, <laughs> as we've seen this week, uh, for, for better management. But um, just overall then, give us a mark for the first quarter of the season and a wee report card comment if you were sending a report back to back to the, the team's parents. Nine, nine out of ten. Um, I could say Clint needs to develop in grammar, spelling and handwriting. <laughs> but, but I'd say that we probably just need to have a, a few more hours in the, the training ground and in the video room with the defence. Cool. No, I'd agree with that. Now, Mark, you have followed this saga for 15 years. But uh, certainly over the last few months, how would you rate the board? How are they doing? How are things moving off the field as well as on it? Um, I, I have to say they've, they've been acting pretty professionally. Some things I would like to be seen, been done, been, been done quicker and better. However, if you look at the resources that are available to them, you know you're st- you're seeing things like behind the scenes. Some of the areas have been repainted, properly cleaned, new new signage going up, and you can see that there is a plan there over the next two or three years to slowly upgrade the stadium. You know, take care of basics, not not spending all the money available in a winner, but it's part of a plan to to revitalise the, the stadium. In terms of um, what we've got going on with the um, 
know, with various court cases, with the pressure that's quite obviously been applied by um, by our pal at Sports Direct, then I would imagine that that will mean that there'll be Shira, she'll get knocked back for, for a couple of months from when we're intending to have it and when about Christmas time. That that's what I'm assuming will happen, simply because of the um you know, all the uncertainty around that. But you know what? When I was a kid, could maybe I told you who the chairman of Rangers was, but I couldn't tell you who the directors were. Yeah, because saying. it didn't matter in those days. Yeah. I and saying. I think um the fact that they're you know, from time to time, they're appearing on TV or on on the Rangers website to give updates is the way it should be. You know, it's it's not people who are getting carried away with the sense of their own importance. Uh, I think if you, you know, in the sounds of their own voices, like a, a lot of directors and, and chairman chairman do these days. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed with with Stuart Robertson when we went up to. I was up in um, Stornoway when he addressed the uh, the members up there. The largest Rangers supporters club in, in the world. Um, John Gilligan has obviously been at the hosted the, the Rangers rally with the supporters association. John and Stuart both. Um, I wasn't there, but it's a Q and A session at the Rangers supporters trust AGM. So we haven't been patronised as fans. I think they've been uh, truthful when they when they're asked direct questions, and and likewise, I think they they've got more than pass marks. Excellent. Okay, Mark, uh, where can people, if they want to chat to you and find out more about uh, Follow Follow, where should they go to? Well, I've got this dungeon, David. <laughs> I, thought that, I, thought, there, I thought that you had to I be 18 blonde and Lithuanian to go well, there. Followfollow.com and look for the link to the message board. Fantastic. Mark, thank you very much. Joining me now to give his thoughts on the first quarter of the season of the living Livingston legend, Mr Cameron James Bell. How are we, my friend? I'm good, David. How are you? I am good. I am good. So, Cameron, the reason I asked you back on here today was that a quarter of the season gone uh, in terms of league positions and also a few cup matches. Just to to find out what your thoughts were. Overall, Cammy, what would you say about the first the first 25% of this season? 9 out of 10. Probably for me, I think is is. I know we'll come on to the cup competitions in a minute, but um, just uh, probably the best start to a season we could wish for. I would say so. In terms of then the season, what would you say has been the most impressive thing about this Rangers side? So for me, for me, David, it's difficult to kind of quantify it because when you talk about Rangers and especially as we have done, especially in the last. What, four four years or so you don't just talk about performance you talk about the club you talk about the general atmosphere you talk about the whole gambit and for me that that question can be broken down into a few different fragments so for me the first one is the performances have just been fantastic there's been performances both home and away where you're left wondering what team it is that you're watching because you're so entertained you're so positive you're so enthused by everything that you're seeing and the talent and skill, and it is a good mixture of both mm-hmm. on show, is just phenomenal. One of the ones that springs to mind is the the, the game against um, Rafe Rovers at home, the 5-0 game, where just, it, it, it had everything. It had a great, solid defence. 
a, a brilliant penetration by the midfield. There was some great skill in the show. Um, goals were fantastic. Just the whole thing was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, off the field, away from the team and stuff, I think that we're a much stronger club, if that makes sense. I think that we are now in a much better position to to start um, defending ourselves against... Uh, stupid claims. The one that again involving Rafe Rovers springs to mind is the, uh, you know, the the recall of Ryan Hardy yeah. when we obviously had to put a statement. I actually was on the podcast when that had all happened. Yes, you were. And it, and and to this day, it still impresses me how well we dealt with that because that could have been and probably would have been under previous regimes a much bigger story. But the way we dealt with it in terms of just basically ridiculing the whole thing. Yeah. Just absolutely phenomenal. Do you mean uh, the way that the club dealt with it or the way that you and me dealt with it? Because I thought well, really obviously you and I deal with it in a way that it should be dealt with. Yeah. So there was no there was no letdown in standards there. But no, the club no. dealt with it in the way that it should have been dealt with. So they increased their standards to our level. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, we'd already hired the guy to make like five hundred water balloons to stand outside Starts Park and just chuck them at them. Yeah, exactly. That's that, and, that, and that's exactly how it should have been dealt with. Yeah, um, but no, <clears throat> no. Seriously, that that is that is one of the things that I really enjoyed. And it, for me, it's it, it reinforces um, probably how well the team are doing and the fact that the club are going to do their part as well. It's not just down to the to the squad or to the eleven players that that, that are on the park at the time. How would you um, rate the? How would sorry. You rate the, how would you rate the new signings? Overall, fantastic. Waghorn's you know, revelation. Um, I think that with the goals that he's chipped in with and the versatility of them, yes, there's obviously a lot of penalties in there as well, but then the fact that he's he's so adept at scoring penalties for me is, is, a, is a huge tick in his book as a striker. Um, in terms of, obviously, uh, Tavernier, I mean, you, you can say we look at the guy. The guy is just absolutely fantastic. I know that we've, we've rated him to such a degree that we're now actually questioning some of his defensive performances. But seeing all honesty, I mean that that's that's how positive we are in terms of there's just this one little glint that he needs to be able to try and work on because everything else in his game is fantastic. Um, the loanee signings, it would be great if they could stay. I don't think really anyone expects them to sign permanently, but. Um, if you see a lot of the stuff that they post in social media, it's clear that they really enjoy life at the club. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I do. I mean, I just I love the guy and, and Zelalem. I know that we we spoke before about how impressive these guys would be, but I mean, they've they've, they've certainly they've certainly not let us down. Um, and so, from my money, I think that, that across the board, the signings have been positive. I know that we've never we we don't know if John Eustace is in the matrix. And so, therefore, we don't know if he exists. No. Uh, but overall, I think we, we, we've done well defensively, maybe a little bit of tightening up from the centre-halves. Other than that, no, I'm, I'm pleased across the board. Well, that's what uh, the next thing I was going to ask you would be, mate. What would you say we need to improve on in this next quarter? What's the, the key short-term <clears throat> gain? So, you'll know I know my stats, David. You so, you'll also know that from um, the defensive standpoint, we could do some tidying up. If you look at our league form and uh, our goals columns, obviously it's hugely impressive the amount of goals that we're scoring up at the other end of the park, which is great. But the ones that we're conceding, 
Um, we've actually conceded only five goals this season. The the problem that I have with that, and again, this is this is the the you know the nice to have, would be those goals to me have felt quite similar. The the goals that we lost in the cup against St Johnson, we we should have done better against them. Oh, yeah. and, um, and that and that for me is probably where we need to be a little bit smarter about what we do in terms of defending, even from from route one type goals, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be honest. And and I don't I'm not necessarily sold yet on Fodderingham. I, I I think that he does some things really well, and I think other times he can do better. So I know that we've got a decent-ish level of competition for goalkeepers with obviously Cami Bell there as well. So it's good to have the option more than anything else. But I think that that could do with a little bit of tidying up. Um. So from a defensive perspective, I would like to be able to try and see us just being a wee bit smarter. We're not conceding huge amounts of goals, and we're not we're not sweating in games if that makes sense. Yeah. Like we're we're still pretty comfortable with the amount of goals that we're scoring. But I would like us to be just that little bit smarter about how we're learning if that makes sense. See, I agree. We 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 do have a kind of almost a, a photo fit identical goal that we we give away, which is. We're on the attack, we lose the ball in the transition, there's nothing in midfield really, maybe Andy Halliday going up against four break, four guys breaking, um, a ball gets put in behind and we don't have the pace at the back to deal with it and we lose a goal. I think you've been a wee bit harsh on Fodderingham, I think he has played very well to be honest, I think he had a, a bit of a shaky start but after that I think he's grown into it and I can't really recall any major ricks the last, the last uh, couple of months, I think um, he's been pretty solid at the back. I think we're a little bit exposed in terms of pace. I, I like to see a wee bit more pace at the back. Um, you've got Tav, sure, you've got Wallace, but given how high up they play, I think one of the two centre-halves ideally has to be you know, quite pacey. And as we've said before on, on the show, I think that our centre-backs, we may have a problem with Kiernan and Wilson in that they're too similar. I think you've got two guys who are both the kind of comfortable on the ball, read the game well, can pass the ball out from the back centre half, but you need the one next to it who's, if you like, the Vidic. You know, the guy who can go and attack the ball, win headers. Maybe not a great footballer, but a good defender. Um, like an like an Amoruso almost. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that that was a good partnership, Amoruso and Moore, for the same reason. You had the one, you know, who sat in behind and swept up, and the one who would go and attack the ball and be a more traditional. If you want it in the air, I'll, I'll be the guy that goes and does it. I go and make the first tackle. Um, similar as a Chelsea. Up until this season, obviously, had Cahill yeah. and Terry. But Terry. Terry. Yeah, he was your man, whereas Cahill just played in, as I said, uh, Vidic and, and uh, Ferdinand at Man U. So, so I, th- I think, yeah, I think you're right. But I think that for me, there's a couple of things to that which probably as Rangers fans sticks out to us. So coming back to the goalkeeper for a second, we've, especially in our lifetimes, been spoiled with top quality goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. So we're used to seeing fantastic goalkeepers um, for me, I think where Fodderingham could do a little bit better is probably just being a bit more vocal in command in his area. I, I enjoy watching goalkeepers screaming at people and, and, and shouting and, and really just commanding that area, if that makes sense. And I, I enjoy that for two reasons. The first one is because I think organise these things from someone who's got an excellent viewpoint of where they can see the entire game, which maybe defenders don't necessarily have the, the luxury to see when the ball's at the other end of the park which at Rangers it often is. Mm-hmm. But also around the fact that it's quite intimidating to the players attacking you and the fact that you see this guy, you know, totally um, you know, totally vocal, totally vociferous and, and, and coming forward and, and actually screwing at players when they're not doing their job properly. Yeah. Um, 
from a, and again from a defensive partnership. If you think back even to where he was playing, he had a lot of players alongside him. Carlos Quelav comes out as probably one of the most obvious options of a guy who came with not much in his locker and left with a huge amount. Yeah, and, and 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 we are, did a lot of that development, and I know we've spoken about that in the show beforehand. Um, the, the, the fundamental problem with this though, David, is that when you play with two at the back, and we don't play with four at the back, let's be honest, we play with two at the back. Yeah, we do. And, and, the, and the, the, the fullbacks are bombing forward constantly. I think it, it's, it's, it's harsh to say that the defence of the three men that are left in terms of your two centre-halves and your goalkeeper are fully at fault for all the goals that we lose. However, I think that there should be some sort of payoff towards if you're going to play that level of attack in football, the concession is you're not going to have the legs to be able to try and run back constantly. Because I don't mean it in a bad way. Wallace and um, Tav aren't super men, do you know what I mean? No. So you can either have them, stay where they are, and really venture across the halfway line, or alternatively you can get them bombing forward. But then those centre-halves for me, and, and what you're saying is right, probably should be a little bit smarter in terms of how they're actually managing that and coming forward, even if they do have to pull a midfielder back in to, to help them. Well, see, that's what I was going to say. See if you had... Uh a midfielder who is just a an honest-to-God holding defensive midfielder, whatever you want to call it, as opposed to Halliday, who's doing well in the role, but isn't, you know, it's not his position, he's an attacker, and you can see that. A lot of the time when we're attacking with both pullbacks up, Andy Halliday goes up to get involved in it, which is fine at this level, and it works out, but if we were playing against a team who can break quickly, Alas and Johnson, the holding midfielder then has to drop in to make a three, and the guy, the second midfielder in the three, has to then drop back to his position. So you're left with your three forwards, your two fullbacks, and then your Jason Holt-style attacker as your attacking option. And the guys behind are the ones sitting waiting for any breakaway. But, I mean, that, that'll that come. If uh, You don't need to name names here, Cammy, but if I was to say to you that we could bring in a player in January, and if you want to name names, that's cool, but if not, and you just want to talk about position... What position would be number one priority for you? Again, going back to what we've talked about, defensively, I would like us to be able to try and 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 shore that up slightly. So you're either talking about probably as you said there a defensive midfielder or alternatively a a centre half. So I don't I don't necessarily have a huge you know real names. The problem the problem we also have, David, is were slightly spoiled with the fact that you and I could name someone from the, the SPL, for example, as someone who could come in and do a job. We've spoken about it before in the, on, on this, but from a championship perspective, Darren Cole more or less kept Livingston in the in the in the championship last season because when he was brought in, he showed up a defence that was hemorrhaging goals, and now he's captain of the club. And the reason for that primarily is because he organised everything, saw a lot of the play, and was able to break it down. But the reason as to why I'm saying that it would be difficult to pick is if you were to rewind and say this this time six months ago, do you think that we would have got some of the top loanee signings in England to come to us? Yeah. You and I would have said no. So as much as we could say, well, we'd like this player from this club in this country, I've got a lot of confidence that if Warburton can see this, and I'm certain that we can, that there's probably a, a network that he could utilise to be able to try and bring players to us. The problem with that, however, is that that's probably going to be a loan E rather than a signing. So I think, that, and this is probably where you're coming from, my concern with that whole area is that we're not making permanent changes, we're making temporary changes, whether that happens next season or in the January window this season, I'm not too sure, it depends what kind of happens. 
Um, but I would I would like us to be able to try and probably bring in that probably a bit more of an experienced centre half to be able to try and go for that. I, I would have hoped that Wilson would have been there by now. I think the jury's still out as to whether or not he is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say of all the new signings, actually, um, permanent signings anyway, I'd say he's the one that's still on the kind of, you know, five out of ten could do better, could do worse uh, scale at the moment. He's the one, I think, that, that does... If it, if it was me and a centre-half was arriving tomorrow, then he would be the one whose place was under threat. Um, and that's no disrespect. I like Danny Wilson. I'm not uh, someone who's who's got an agenda against the guy. I just don't think his form has been all that it could be. And uh, and I really want Danny Wilson to succeed because Scott doesn't like him, and I want I want Scott to be there's wrong. No, there's no greater reason for it than that. I think Wilson Wilson's got the capability to succeed. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. he's time at hearts. I think has helped mature them. I don't know if he feels it feels to me at times as if he doesn't feel entirely comfortable with a with a defensive setup that he's in at the moment. What the two zero eight? Well, yeah, but I don't I don't also don't know. I also don't know, I suppose, if Wilson came in with some sort of premise of the thought that he was going to be taken over as captain. Yeah. Because, because he, 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 he was a captain of a title winning side. So I suppose that from that perspective, it, it, it's something which I would like to be able to try and give him a bit more time in. And again, like you say, we can't point the finger too much at these guys because in the defensive setup that we have, Firstly, as you saw with St. Johnson, they will, you know, opposition managers will purposely exploit it. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that's your concession for scoring as many goals as you're going to get. Our two fullbacks are our leading scorers, second top goal scorers. So, um, for me, I think that that we are probably could spend a bit more time with them. And again, like you say, get that probably get that 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 development underway. To try and get Wilson into a bit more of a kind of confidence space, but really to try and get underneath exactly if he's got apprehensions or if he's got fears or challenges and that, we could spend some time with him on a one-on-one to try and establish that a bit better. And that's and that's and that's fundamental coaching, David. That's mm. that's that's what it comes down to. Okay, so we need to to try and develop you. What can we do with that? Let's try and really really explore what's going on with it because Wilson's a good player. Let's not get away from that. No. I agree. Then I mean, I like him, and I, I do. I think he will come good. Again, I would just like the ability to to change the defence a little bit for certain matches, um, because I think it was clear from the St. Johnson match that he's not really going to change his tactics at the moment. That may change moving forward um, for specific matches, but at the moment, I think Warburton's made it quite clear he's going to stick to his system. Um, yeah, he, want, he wants a style, and, and and listen, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and his teams with with a far greater. Development or talent squad and others who have that exact same ethos. So I completely applaud it. However, he's about to face a very different challenge yeah, when we thing. when we go up next season, yeah. and so, that and that's what I would like to. If he, if he has that versatility in his locker to change it, then that's what I would like to see because this all this this kind of come at us and and have a go and all that kind of stuff is all very well at this level, but next next season's a different a different. Um, yeah, limited flexibility isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. The ability to say, this, uh, I am brave enough to make changes that need made. Now, there comes a point where it's too far. Uh, for example, last season, <coughs> in the, last season in the FA Cup semi-final, when Liverpool played Aston Villa and Rodgers had three formations in the first half, that's too flexible. That's a manager who doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know why it's not working and he's just trying anything. But, 
to to sit and say in this specific match, this team have you know three guys who play on the break very quickly. Therefore, I'll put in an extra defense or I'll change. That's not a sign of weakness to me. That's just good management. So it is, but then you've also then got to think about okay, so if if your ideal scenario is if you're playing Rangers, the likelihood would be to counter the the on rushing fullbacks is to play five at the back, for example. Mm-hmm be able to try and pinch whatever's coming in to you from, from Wallace and, and uh, Tavernier, for example. Then, then I understand that, and I get that, but then, at the same perspective, if you are going forward in an offensive motion because you know that those players won't be there, the first thing I would say to, to, to any team that was going out there was, if you wanted to hurt Rangers, try and play the ball centrally to get out of your, your own third, and then utilise wingers to run at the, at the centre halves because their, their full-backs won't be there to, to support them and that for me is probably about being able to try and understand when teams start to attack you how do you how do you try and change it during the game to be able to try and, and, and counter-attack that Warburton will stick with his set-up and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because let's face it it's wholly successful I would just be interested to be able to try and see when he starts playing against a higher a higher intelligence of manager and a higher level of talented player, where will those changes come in? Because I, I just want to make sure that we're not we're not absolutely swept aside by it within the first few games. He should be doing it now. And that, that's why I was really and when you said about the nine out of ten at the start of the start of the show, it's because I wanted to play against harder teams to be able to try and test that that set up and to try and take and, and, and to really try and see if it could expose any any weaknesses or any chinks in the armour because right now I don't think we're getting pushed anywhere near hard enough to have that that acid test, if you will, whereas other teams in cup competitions from the SPL will do it. Yeah. I think it's important to show a level of progress in the cups. I think that it's important to show that we learned from the St Johnson game and moved on. So in the Scottish Cup uh to show that level of, of improvement Cammy, that's absolutely wonderful Where You're now joining the social media revolution uh, Where people can come and talk to you on the Twitter machine um, Where would they find you? Uh, so my, do we call it a handle? Are we going back to CB radio type <laughs> days? My Twitter handle, uh, if we're going to call it that Is uh, Beat That Beat Beat That Beat? Yeah, Beat That Beat Okay It's awesome you wouldn't know this because you're not cool or trending, you're really old, but yeah. it's actually a, a reference from uh, Jersey Shore that used to go on MTV. No, oh, right, okay. And it was when, you know, when you're in the club and you're all dressed as Guidos right. and you beat that beat or some great times, and then you obviously find a, find a loose woman and take her home for a night of passion. What, like one of those old hags off, off ITV? Ugh. Not uh, more like, uh, like Madge Ramsey. Mm. Well, at the end of the day, any holes a goal, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay, well, you, so, can, um, you can follow Cameron and uh, Cammy. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Cheers. Season debut time then for uh, the suave, sophisticated sort of Terry Thomas of the pod. It's Mr. Fraser Martin. Good afternoon, Mr. Edgar. How are you? I am fine. Where have your globe tropic? Trotting adventures taking you to this this spell. Uh, this season, I am in Leipzig, uh, aka Heipzig, in right. uh, eastern Germany. Uh, home of Lokomotiv, who I believe are currently trying to change their name. Am I correct? 
Well, they're in the fifth tier, so any of our uh, listeners who think we've suffered, they've gone from Cup Winners' Cup final in 87 to the fifth tier of German football uh, this year. So, um, But uh, no, they're actually, they've, they've got a, a they still get up to 20,000 fans at their ground, believe it or not. The fifth division, that's fantastic. Uh, it's 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 amazing here. The fan culture is just incredible. And everywhere around the city, there's uh, graffiti for this team called Chemi, who are BSG Leipzig. Right. Um, and they're, they're in the seventh tier. And yet, judging by the city, you'd think they were in the Bundesliga, you know? That's, that's just awesome. German German fan culture is absolutely brilliant. When you watch uh, German TV on BT, they, they cover a lot of it now. Um, even the kind of so-called lesser grounds, the noise and the atmosphere, that is fantastic. But that, that's what happens when you price it competitively, isn't it? Well, and also fans feel they've got a stake in all the clubs here, you know. So it's uh, it's very much a social thing rather than, you know, oligarchs, you know. Yeah, well, absolutely fantastic. Right, Cameron, um, we're doing our big sort of... <laughs> Fraser, I think you mean. Oh, Fraser, <laughs> for Christ, it's been that long. It has been that long. I, don't, I hope I'm not that much of a bell end. <laughs> no, no, well... Uh, no, Cammy's unique in that sense. You you, you understand that. Yeah. Um, from, 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 uh, I suppose Livingston is quite close to Leipzig in in some respects. Do you know me, mate? North of Stirling and sort of uh, <laughs> east east of Hart Hill is there be monsters. So uh-huh. you know, I just thought it Fraser. Um, tell us then your thoughts on Rangers. Twenty five percent of the season gone. Well, I think probably echoing the rest of the contributors, I'm I'm super happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm enjoying my football. I think uh, it's actually the St. Johnson uh, defeat a couple of weeks ago is, I think, on reflection, not a bad thing because we were all getting a wee bit carried away with comparisons to Barcelona and Brazil 70. Yes. <laughs> and I think uh, a, wee, a, a wee bit of grounding and just a wee reminder of, as to where we are and what we're building, it's actually it's actually been quite a good thing for us and it's made us actually appreciate what we actually have in terms of what we're developing, um, the, the style of football we're playing, but also how far we've got to go. But I think imbued with the enthusiasm that we know we're going to get there, you know. Mm. What's been your take on Mark Warburton and Davy Weir? Um, I'm slightly surprised that somebody like Davy Weir, who was the making of a whole list of centre-halves when he played alongside them, um, has not been able to perhaps make our centre-half partnership as secure as one would have hoped. Yes, Although I think that might be as much to do with them not getting tested uh, at a higher level on a, on a relatively regular basis. I don't think they're asked to step up to the plate um, often enough so that when it does happen, um, it comes as maybe a bit of a surprise. Does that mean you need a defender or, or defenders then who've got better levels of concentration and understand that, yes, you may be untaxed for 80 minutes, but you need to be able to spring into action at any point? Well, it's the old Rangers goalkeeper thing, isn't it? I yes, mean, absolutely. We, we were, we've been blessed throughout the years with keepers who, are, who have who have been past masters at that. And yeah, I think there's... So either it's the concentration thing or we need a sitting midfielder, one or t'other. Um, in terms of player of the season then, um, the name's been bandied about by the others, I'm sure you can imagine, but who would get your nod uh, if player of the season was decided tomorrow? Who would it be? Well, for me, it's, it's got to be one of the two fullbacks who I think are absolutely crucial to the way we play the game. Um, I, I would, I would love to give it to Lee Wallace just because of the improvement in his game and his his aggression on the park, his uh, his his physical attributes, which have just uh, 
I mean, have just he's just metamorphosized into this great athlete. Mm. I mean, um, which, t- which, which, the last think, season, which I think we all knew was there, yeah. but it's just it's just so wonderful to see. Yeah, he was heavy at the end of last season. You could, I mean, physically, <laughs> you could see it. He was. Uh, they were all a bit. They were all a bit Charlie Adam esque, weren't they? Yes, towards they the end were. Of last season. They really were. And uh, so, that being said, uh, for me, the player of the season, absolute revelation. Not only on the part, David, but also off it, has got to be Tav. Um, I just I, I love the way he conducts himself. As I say, on the part, he's just he's electric to watch. He's just always always got something to offer. I think defensively, yeah, we'll see. I think that there's always room for improvement. But um, I also like his his demeanour, his attitude off the park. I think he's great interacting with the fans. I think he I think he gets Rangers, and I think he's really good in the dressing room as well. So for me. Or both on and off the park would have to be Tav. I think he's been a a, a real um, a real find, a real gem. Now, Fraser, you and I uh, sat together on the board of the Rangers Supporters Trust uh, for many a year, and both did some media work. So I want to kind of get your take on this. How do you feel the club is doing in this sort of new, more more proactive media era, uh, both in terms of their own social media and web presence, and then the way that they interact with the media at large. Well, I think in terms of uh, the social media and web presence, I have never, um, I've never been more involved with Rangers' online presence than I have been in the last three or four months. Now, of course, the feel-good factor is something there, but I think we've just really got got to grips with um, with Twitter, with YouTube, with the website, and it's it's actually, I mean, I find myself now. Obviously, I could listen to Mark Warburton talk about read the yellow pages. Yeah. For, months you know but I just love watching what's going on around the club and I think that that also you know I alluded to that with Tavernier as well you know there's just you just feel like you've got a stake in the club again and I think a lot of that's to do with how the club are using social media um in terms of more traditional media it's a little bit more difficult for me not being in this in in Scotland to actually give you an opinion as to how we're dealing with our friends uh in the press so um but in terms of the of the social media profile, I think it's been a revelation again, and, and I'm really, really positive about it. I'm infused. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that in terms of speaking to the guys who do that at Rangers, and a kind of hat tip to, to RFC Rab and uh, RFC David, that they struggled manfully during a period of you know mutual hatred between the club owners and the fans, mm. uh, and they, they, they struggled to, to try and put that put the message across because the message if there was a message coming from the the, the people who own Rangers um, it was basically keep them away from us and they yeah. were, they were and it was very difficult to go out and as you say spread a message when there wasn't a message and if even if there had been the fans didn't want to hear it and I think that you can almost see in the the way that they're communicating now the sheer joy of having people at the top of the tree who are Rangers people who want the best for Rangers and that they have now stuff that's positive to communicate and that they're now acting as a bridge between two, you know, two, two disparate people as opposed to acting as a shield, which I yeah. think they had been before. And, and, that, and I, I, I think also to a certain extent, when you had the, the charlatans and spivs and thieves in, um, you wanted to know what was going on behind this because you were concerned about, you know, the future of the club. Whereas I think nowadays... Truth be told, I don't really want to know what's going on behind the scenes at the moment because I'm sure it's absolutely appalling. But I trust the guys that are there to deal with it, and I'm quite happy to let them. Sort it. Know, out. I don't. I don't want to know what's in the book 
right now because I think it would it would ruin my day. Yeah. But they can just get on with it, please, and let me know let me know when things are settled. And that might sound like a strange uh, uh, opinion coming from somebody who, like yourself, was an activist for many years. But I think there's a level of trust now where um, I am willing to say, okay, I just want to be a fan at the moment. I'm yeah. going to enjoy the football, and I'm trusting you guys off the park to, to get it right. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I find it so tiring, and I think most people do it. You don't want to be reading about balance sheets and share issues and securitisation and knowing who the financial director of the club is. I, nobody and, 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 and also knowing who the financial director at the club was. Yes. Frankly, I, I just don't want to know what schemes and plans they hatched at their time there because it'll just it'll be that old permarage thing, you know. So yeah. just let me focus on the football rangers and I'll, I'll, I'll let you get on with it. Speaking of the football, if there was something you could improve going forward or something you'd like to see the, the team make strides in over the next quarter that when we're looking back in the report card halfway through the season we say well yeah that that went up what would it be it's the old ghost of john eustace thing it's uh, steel um i think there's a, a great uh, team camaraderie there and i think they all watch each other's backs and i think that they all you know it's all for one and one for all but i would like to have that steel Mm-hmm. Uh, you know whether it's a an Ian Ferguson or a Graham Souness type character, someone who you know is just not going to be fucked with, um, and and projects that throughout the whole team. Okay, and uh, finally, then my friend, if you had to give them a mark out of ten for the season so far, what would it be, and what would the report card comment be from you? Um, my report card would probably be eight and a half out of ten. <laughs> Uh, so that was just creeping into an A. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted with the way things are going. I'm delighted with the attitude. I'm delighted with the the, the team spirit. I'm delighted with the esprit de corps and uh, how everybody is keeping their feet on the ground. Uh, my one thing would be um, keep up the good work, lads. Um, defensively, let's tighten up. The keeper I would like to see maybe uh, just, yeah, again, come more slightly more commanding, but I think this is nitpicking... Um, I think so far so good, but uh, no resting in laurels. But with with Weir and Warburton there, you know that's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that will happen. Now, Fraser, I think you are fairly uniquely placed among our contributors to talk a lot about international football. And ah. given the fact that uh, you're in Germany, who of course look is only going to top the group that Scotland were in, and uh, although I'm, I'm probably not the most Jock Tamsonish supporter out there, I've been watching the international football. What's your take on? What happened to Scotland, and you know, the, the, given that Northern Ireland have made it, Wales have made it, England have made it, um, what does this say for the future of Scottish football? I just think that it's, it's very difficult. Um, I think uh, at the start of the group we got a bit carried away, and I think there was a little bit of a little bit of uh, night. Well, I think I just think Scot- Scotland we lack decent world we lack world class players, and there's a naivety and there's a lack of. Nous and there's a lack of um, just pedigree there. Um, that just we just can't go over the finish line. I read a good line on Facebook the other day that Hib, uh, Scotland are the hibs of international football, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I can't help but agree. It's very frustrating, but it's it, again it's the old one. If you can't beat Georgia, who are ranked 147th in the world, you're there quite frankly. No, I don't so, agree that you don't deserve it. The 
the thing I would say is, is sitting watching the games and possibly because I'm, I'm not as caught up in it as other people might but I can sit and watch it I think a little bit more analytically when I watch Scotland as opposed to say Northern Ireland or even Wales and their qualifiers those teams have a sort of attitude of right come on we might be the underdogs but let's get stuck in let's you know we can get something from this especially Northern Ireland have been excellent in that regard Scotland to me always look like a team that are kind of waiting for something bad to happen to them and then when something bad does happen to them they go ha ha see I knew that was going to happen and it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and also it's when your idea of uh, being on the front being aggressive is is a snap no, that that also hamstring hamstrings you as well, you know. Yeah, no, I think that um, when you've got guys up front who are runners rather than goal scorers. Yeah, and think... and we don't have. I mean, Stephen Davis is such a lovely footballer, but yeah, I don't think is. we have somebody who creates chances the way Davis does for for Northern Ireland, or of course Bale. Um, no, does for Wales, you know. If you notice the players that I think Strachan had picked, and again, you know, I, I don't really comment on. You know, Celtic players to say, oh, they're good, bad, and indifferent because I don't watch them enough. But when you look at guys like Forrest, Naismith, Fletcher in the creative positions, these guys, what's the key thing you would say about all of them? Good engine, you know, are, yeah. or they work, or they get up and down the field. And it's almost like we set out to defend from the front, but we do it all the time. And it means yeah. that that in a match where you need to kind of go and drive on and make something happen, you're kind of relaxed. I mean, yes, the, the result against Poland, people will say unfortunate, but it was two splendid long-range goals. It wasn't like we were peppering the, the goalkeeper, and it wasn't like Fabianski had, had save after save to make. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I, I agree. With, I, I don't think we've got... A, grab the game by the scrum neck, and B, are capable of changing things with a moment of genius. And the only person we've had in the recent recent memory that's been like that has been McFarlane. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, uh, and I think, you know, if you've got such a dearth of quality or you're blessed with a lot of workers and, and you know, good engine types, it's all... Good, well, well and good having a team full of Billy Bremners, but you do need a Jim Baxter now and again as oh, well. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, we've long and hard campaigned uh, on this pod, and you know anybody else, I think, as a Rangers fan, to to see the likes of Doncaster and Regan removed from the position. Now, taking aside how we feel, they feel about Rangers. Surely now, this sort of result and the state of Scottish football, and the fact that when you look at the next. Scottish qualifying campaign you don't think oh well, we'll, we'll put it right there or we've made progress surely this now speaks to their ability to do the job well I, I, I think uh, how many examples do you need you know of, of these guys are, are they, they simply do not they, they have not will not and uh, and seem not their KPIs are never met yeah, you know that's true. <laughs> it's, if, if it was any other industry they would have been shown the door ages ago because they just haven't met any of the remit, you yeah, know? that's true. Whether I mean, it's, it's in domestic football failed. or international football, and yet they're still there. And I think that, in many ways, is emblematic of the naivety and the parochialism and the, the, the you know, I'm all right, Jack, nature of Scottish football, which yeah. manifests itself on the park in the Scottish national team and off the park in the fact that these two are still in their position. Well, Fraser, it's always brilliant to talk to you and we'll be getting you on soon, so thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Brother David. I'll see you soon. Well, that was great, wasn't it? Um, Good to hear from all the the regulars, the old contributors about what their thoughts were this season. Obviously a lot of stuff 
is similar. I mean, player of the season so far, um, I think I would probably go for Tavernier, just because, as I said, I like the fact that he does deliver in the big games a la Jorg Alberts. You know, when you need a guy to step forward, crucial goals against Falkirk and against Hibs, he's got that about him, he's got that kind of golden touch. But I would understand people going for Wycorn, I think he's been splendid. Uh, I really like him, I'm looking forward to seeing him and, and as a wide striker with a main striker, to be honest, because uh, I think he's devastating out wide, cutting in. I mean, he's pretty good through the middle, but I think uh, he's he's such a handful when he gets out in the wing and he's running at uh, defenders. You can tell that they hate it because he's so powerful and uh, has no little skill as well. I think uh, an excellent player. In terms of weaknesses, they all named it, and it's because it's true, um, and that's the lack of a defensive midfielder, which means a lack of protection for the centre-halves, which is leaving the centre-halves exposed. I know people that played centre-half before and they say to me, um, David, when you're playing centre-half for Rangers, the, the key thing is to have a good level of protection in front of you because there's only so much you can do if you know guys are streaming on you. Do you go with the runner? Do you stay? And you see that with their centre-halves. And these guys who are you know ex-international players, they, they tell me the two defenders aren't doing that badly. Yes, you know they could do with maybe being a bit quicker, but if they had someone there who was sitting doing the job. Andy Halliday's trying and does it manfully, but against better opposition, as we saw against St. Johnson, they're too clever. They'll get round one guy who's not quite sure positionally where he's supposed to be. And when we get exposed, we really struggled. And uh, I think you could see that in the, you could see that in that match. That really was the only disappointment this season. But again, it's by using that as a comparison it's a bit of a false comparison. What we're saying is, is this team's not good enough for the Premier League. Well, this team isn't in the Premier League and this team is never going to be in the Premier League. We have two transfer windows before that'll happen, minimum, if we continue to, to impress. And it's not really a comparison that, that holds up much water because Rangers, when they get there, will hopefully be stronger, will have better players, will be more attuned to the level of that division because they'll be playing it week in, week out. That's not to say that that result wasn't disappointing. Um, I think we all felt that going into that we could have a real run at the League Cup and of course it turned out not to be the case and that, that was pretty frustrating. When the Scottish Cup rolls round, I think it's fair to ask for a wee bit of a run, uh, you know, depending on draw. Uh, we would understand if there's certain draws that are a wee bit beyond us, but certainly to look more competitive, the manager will have had the players for that bit longer, they'll be more settled and hopefully they'll have learned the lessons of those performances. As for us here on the pod, um, we're just going to keep going. As you see, we're trying to mix it up a wee bit more this season. Usually international week, we would have had a week off in a normal pod. And what we've done this week is do this one to sort of encapsulate the, the fortnight. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, my name is David Edgar. Before I go, I'll tell you how you can get in touch with us. You can contact us, uh, Heart and Hand on Facebook. Just search for it. You can follow us on Twitter, Ibrox Rocks, R-O-C-K-S, at Ibrox Rocks on Twitter and uh, get in touch with us that way if you so wish or you can also email us at ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk that's ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk support the pod by taking one of the sponsors offers that you've heard through the pod today and we I'd just like to thank our executive producer in London Mr Mightley, Mr Paul Myers and our sound engineer Mr Charlie Ashworth that is everything from Heart and Hand this week and we'll talk to you again this time next week cheers, bye
This show is brought to you in association with Labbrooks for all your betting needs. With a new site design and great prices, it's our preferred bookie. New members can get a free match bet up to £50 when you sign up and use the code LAD50. Check on site for details at labbrooks.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.